Hello and welcome back everyone to the A24 on the Rocks podcast with four friends who get together, including myself, and we like to switch narrators, I mean hosts, each episode as we go through the A24 entire movie collection starting from square one um, up to today where we're in 2017 with our first movie of 2017. Um, I think I already said so, but once again, my name is Kelly. Uh, we all drink a little drink while we record this podcast as well. For this episode, I'm having a glass on the rocks, namingly so, of Jefferson's Reserve, a very old Kentucky bourbon whiskey. And I'll throw it to my husband next because I feel like he might be drinking the same thing. Yes, I'm drinking the same thing. Uh, Jefferson's Reserve Kentucky Straight Bourbon, very old, very uh, small batch. Cole usually drinks the Ocean Aged at Sea. Uh, and so that's that gave me inspiration to get the very old, very small batch. I was looking for the Ocean Aged at Sea, but then the bartender or the uh, liquor store attendant called me a called me a gorgy cunt, and uh, I had to go with the Jefferson's Reserved. Yeah, because yeah. to be honest, that's just a gimmick. Yeah, it, it sits on a barge and just sloshes around, makes it ocean aged. It's fucking ridiculous. And charge eighty dollars for the same juice that's in the fifty dollars. Too bottle. many fights uh, early on. Um, I think it's... Eric, I don't believe you said your name as well. I'm, I'm Eric. <laughs> also that. So <laughs> I am also drinking uh, Grandpappy's cough syrup tonight. I've got a bottle of Johnny Drum, which is a private stock bottle of Willet bourbon. Uh, Straight out of Kentucky, small batch, delicious, just like you guys, and I'm feeling fancy, so I'm glad at least three out of the four of us have some class tonight. Nudge, nudge, coal. Was that distilled in the same barge? <laughs> it might have been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my name is Cole William Whitlock Gibson. I'm currently back home in uh, Michigan visiting my family on the farm, and I'm drinking some nice bush light <laughs> Uh, in the special corn cob can, so uh, re- represent. It does the look pretty cool. There. I'll give you that. That can's pretty silk. No, pretty when silk. I saw the can, I thought it was lemon flavored, and I kind of uh, felt sick. Lemon flavored bush light. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> no, it's corn. So it's corn flavored bush light. <laughs> Okay, everyone, as as previously mentioned, this episode's going to be about Trespass Against Us. This movie was released in the U.S. January 20th of 2017. Like I said, this will be our first movie of the 2017 year. On that release, it was released by A24, the one that we follow. Uh, and then it was released in the U.K. in March of that year by Lionsgate. So something that I noticed about this movie is I think that it's a great example of how all English-speaking areas of the world do not actually speak the same language. I very much needed subtitles. I also feel like there's certain bits of humor and societal like statements that have to do with specifically living in the UK that us Americans are just going to get whooshed above our head, but that's just kind of what I think. Um, 
Before I go any further, I should say what Google says this movie is about, and it is, as I quote, After an elaborate heist goes south, reluctant criminal Chad must find a way to escape the clutches of his fierce outlaw father and the encroaching police. With enemies everywhere, will Chad be able to find help? Period. Not question mark. (laughs) One more thing that I want to state before uh, I start passing it over to you guys is that this movie is directed by Adam Smith. It's his first... um, feature film directorial debut before this he directed some tv episodes including of doctor who and was voted best director by the readers of doctor who magazine he did some tour movies for bands including one that he works really closely with which is the chemical brothers and directed many commercials for big brands as well including nike and others so this and a british degrassi uh skins Okay. That's that's basically the British Degrassi. Skins is well acclaimed. I didn't that. I didn't pick yeah. that one up, but I'm glad you mentioned it. So that's all huge. So this was his movie debut, and he got two really big names for it: Michael Fassbender, Brennan Gleeson, among others that we all probably recognize, especially from other A24 movies. With all this said, and with the kind of summary that Google gives us, I think that a big part of this movie is the tone. And with that summary I read you about they're running from the police, they've got a crime father, they've got this and that. What kind of expectation did you have about this movie? And then how, when it opened up, were you, like, accurate? Or did it kind of go a different way than you thought? Cole, I want to start with you. Yeah, so I kind of like the opening scene with them, uh, you know, running their car through the field chasing a rabbit. Um, I, I, I like that opening scene. Uh, it did not fit the vibe of what the synopsis of this film was about, you know, more of like a dark kind of gritty. Like you read the synopsis and you think, okay, this is going to be like a slumlord kind of crime family thing. And then it opens up at a very nice, you know, beautiful field. And they're just driving their, you know, what, like a Subaru out back through the field chasing rabbits and having a good time and whatnot. So... Uh, I like the opening, but the vibes definitely were were much different than what I thought. And I will say it seemed like the vibes throughout this whole film kind of subverted what I thought they were going to be. And uh, lots of changing vibes throughout this film. I had no idea why I made this connection and it didn't stay with me past maybe the first like 10 minutes or less. But it was kind of reminiscent of the rover in a way to me mm-hmm. where I thought thought that this could be like a tale with the similar kind of like grungy type people and like living on the outskirts and the outback in a way even though it's in a different area but that certainly ended up going a different way uh kevin do you want to kind of weigh in on like what you thought this movie might be and kind of what it was yeah so i kind of going into this thought it was uh, a different scene in a different movie from something that I had seen on the internet, which I think is called something called In Brudges, which is a Colin Farrell movie where he's in In Bruges. Thank you. What is it? In Bruges. See, that shows how ignorant I am. Anyway, that's what I thought I was getting myself into um, coming into this film. Uh, So I knew it had accents and I knew it had crime. And that was literally (laughs) about it. Um, So starting the film and the heavy accent on the car, I kind of had a different tilt. I was like, okay, maybe we'll get some some UK version of the Fast and the Furious while we're playing around here with some, you know, the kid vibe in it as well. 
So I was immediately interested, I suppose, from that aspect. I made note of the car. I made note of the family aspect of the scene, um, even having so far as Norman, who clearly was getting picked on, getting thrown out of cars, getting his leg broken, uh, was still part of the family, part of the group. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into because, uh, you know, movie ignorance, but I'm glad that, you know, I stumbled upon it and it was a good start for me. Eric, you can answer either the first question or the latter that I'm about to pose to you now. Question one, can you drive like that at the time six-year-old kid if you were in the field? Or you may answer question two, what did you think of this little town that they're living in and all of these mobile homes? And what was your kind of general feel from the kind of set design of our of our main family that we're going to follow? Well, question one, uh, no, I had way too much anxiety driving uh, up until I was even 18 that Kevin actually uh, helped me get my driver's license when I was up in uh, Marquette. Uh, that happened. Yeah, yeah. fun. F- yeah, uh, we. I literally tried. I failed my first one because of parallel parking, and then uh, I tried again and got parallel parking. Right, and I got zero and, points off on my yeah. driver's license, so I thought I was some sort of fucking driving teacher. <laughs> you needed to charge him. <laughs> right, that was yeah. wholesome. Missed opportunity. Yeah, because that was but, so uh, wholesome. Now you may answer my second question. This little, like, I, I don't know how they found this field uh, in the middle of England, but it's so interesting that they just set up a bunch of RVs in the middle of this secluded field where not even the cops can find them, at least for a while. And uh, that's pretty cool, I guess, uh, that that's even possible <laughs> in today's day and age, that you could set up a whole, like, RV park by yourself and uh, probably, I, I think they were avoiding taxes. That's kind of, uh, what I thought. Like I didn't see a mailman dropping stuff off. So, um, yeah, I pretty crazy and cool concept, uh, to start this film. And I, I do want to, uh, one film I thought this reminded me of like right away was, uh, Animal Kingdom, which was an Australian film about an Australian crime family. And this came out after that. So I thought they were like kind of trying to do the British Animal Kingdom, because I also read in the credits that the, uh, the Animal Kingdom production company had a part of this. Uh, I don't think they're related, though. I looked up later that they're not related. So, yeah. And also, I love Michael Fassbender and Brendan Gleeson, uh, especially Brendan Gleeson. He's been in so many great movies. They are hard not to love. Kevin, are you one of them? Yeah, know? I would... Uh, Eric mentioned the, the idea that they were it was cool that they could be in that situation where they just had RVs and moving from place to place. And for me, the nomadicism of the family was kind of lost throughout the film, but I think it was a really important part of the way it was built. So I'm, we may touch on it, but Eric just mentioning that, that that opening made it feel like that to him, and it wasn't something that picked up for me until kind of later um, in the film when we get to kind of towards the climax. And I'm just mentioning it now because it's truly a cool part to notice because that's how that family kind of unit gets created, right? The fact that they move from place to place and that RV lifestyle. Uh, So that's cool that we got that right off the bat. Yeah. And also uh, I noticed something in the uh, introduction cast. I saw Barry Keoghan's name Mm -hmm. and he's in this film, but doesn't say one Mm -hmm. word and he will later be in killing of a sacred deer playing one of my favorite villains of all time. And uh, it's so interesting seeing Barry Keoghan in this situation with long, kind of uh, swooped over hair, knowing what he'll become later. Uh, not in this movie, but in another movie. And me having no idea what the hell you're talking about, and I can't be <laughs> so more excited. <laughs> yes. Well, it's cool, too, because Barry Keoghan and uh, Brennan Gleeson were both in Banshees of Inishirin, uh most recently in this last 
year. So it was cool to see like years ago, both of them were in this movie, even though Barry at the time didn't speak any words. And then later is going to become an actor who steals my heart away. But it was really nice kind of seeing him in there. It felt like a cameo, but like pre-fame cameo, if that makes sense. I was going to say too, what you said, Kevin, about like, they could have been more clear about this being like a nomadic family. And that's kind of what it is, that they are a family, not all blood related. But it looks like they've been in that spot for a really long time, just by the amount of like debris and garbage that has piled up, that I thought like they were there always until we get later in the film and he's the godfather of the family says, all right, it's time for us to haul up and move out. And I was like, oh, this must be the first time that they do that. Then later I read about the movie and it fills in all these gaps that I feel like I wasn't given throughout the movie. Does anyone kind of agree with me on that? That there yeah, was like you, that, gaps? That's what I was trying to lead toward mm-hmm. without going too much. That's exactly my feelings. A thousand percent. Yeah, like the heists in this film. I know we're, we don't want to jump too far ahead here, but like the one big heist, I was left wondering what happened to all the stuff they stole. Where Who did they sell it to? How, where do they make their money? Like, how do they make their money? Uh, like, after, it seems like they rob houses. Who do they sell all this stuff to? Because that's, like, always a big thing with heists. It's like you got to, you know, get rid of the, the merchandise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything in this film seemed very, like, half-baked. <laughs> like, yes. that's, the a, whole good, that's idea a good description. That's a really good just, description. They're a nomadic family. You never see a move. But they're there. <laughs> <laughs> but they did at one point. They so did. that's really important. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. And they've also been there long enough to know the names of a lot of the pretty inept police that try to chase them down. I want to hear kind of your guys' thoughts on the police, how they were portrayed, and the way that this family kind of has a weird relationship with them. Eric, do you want to kind of talk about the police in this movie? Uh, I love how comedic and stupid they made them, actually. Uh, like, yeah, I agree this movie has some half-baked notions to it, but, like, uh, this reminds me of, like, kind of... Like, in old films, policemen used to be portrayed like this all the time, too, mm-hmm. just kind of, like, uh, bozos that are always tripping on their own shoelaces, and I actually found that to be pretty funny in this film. Uh, Roy, Rory Kinnear, another A24 alumni who uh, was later in Men... Uh, he plays the lead cop, and he's such a, a bozo this whole time. And um, so the relationship with the police, what I'm guessing with this family is that they move from uh, city to city until they wear themselves out with the police. And then they go to the next one where they can start robbing other people all over again. This was like a snapshot in time when they're between places but yeah, I agree that some of the other aspects of it are still half-baked. Yeah, so for me, the cops uh, reminded me of the 2007 classic Hot Fuzz uh, with Simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought you were going to say Super Troopers. Well, for right. So, I, know and, and, I suppose yeah. the same similar idea yeah. where we have a satire based around uh, the police force. They did get their comeuppance, right? They did get their one-up when they finally get what they're looking for and whatnot and vengeance for the poor dog and things. But for the most part, you're right. They really came across as completely inept. You could just drive around them if you wanted to, or just swear at them a bunch and then leave. Uh, it happened multiple times. And it was just very clear that that's kind of the direction you wanted to be cheering for the family and not for the police force. Uh, and that kind of message was, was through the entire film. Yeah, and did anybody do any research on, like, Gloucestershire, how, how they are as a, a city? I no, looked up the us. place on, on 
yeah. on Google Maps. That's as far as I went. Did you look further? I Gloucestershire. Uh, we're sounding so American. I was going to say Gloucestershire. Yeah, sorry, sorry to our British uh, fans. <laughs> they're they're western, yeah. the western side, right? That's what they're at, westerners. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're kind of like an older factory town with a lot of slums and stuff, you know. Uh, probably voted for Brexit. <laughs> well, I want we a, went cold, there. a cold, a um, cold <laughs> attempt from each of us to name the name of this town, Eric. All right, well, let's put it in the chat so I can read it. And I was right though. Gloucester voted to leave, uh, so my stereotype was right. You so. definitely pronounced it wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that well, no, they been, so they, that's they they shorten it in this film too to just Gloucester. Okay, Gloucester. How can you even hear half of what they Gloucester say sure. in this film? Okay, okay. I turn on subtitles. Oh, I didn't do that. Cole, Cole, give me give me your attempt at saying this town. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. Yeah, I'm also. That's why I said, Gloucestershire. But I they, I'm there, Kevin. You got anything better? Ease. I thought it was Gloucestershire. <laughs> Worcestershire <laughs> sauce. Worcestershire. Gloucestershire. <laughs> Yeah. Gloucestershire? Worcestershire? So I definitely thought with the cops, like, this story seems so unbelievable um, from my American lens because those cops are, like, silly and goofy with them. And then when they're, when this family who lives outside the government has the audacity to ask for the government's help in finding their children and for keeping their constantly skipping children from school. Mm Mm-hmm. That sentence didn't make sense, but you guys know what I mean. Trying to keep their kids in school when they don't even have a good attendance or anything um, is just like kind of baffling to me, but I think that that might be the point. But also just by the time that the the cops have kidnapped your children for the full day at that point, like, I don't know, they would have done a lot more. I feel like if this same story took place in America, but that said, there's a vendetta from um, our police because their police dog gets killed by our main character. Um, and it's also not the first dog death in this movie before it's even halfway through. Mm, so my yeah. question that I want everyone to answer, starting with you, Cole, how many dead dogs in a single film is too many? Well, um, usually I would say I would limit it to one. Because if there's one dead dog, it's probably like the main character's best friend in a post-apocalyptic film. And he's got to kill him because the dog saved his life. And now he's got to put the dog down. <laughs> Something like that. Like, that's okay. Or like an old yeller. Even though old yeller is just a whole movie about being sad about a dog that dies. But this movie, you like never get attached to any of the dogs and they're just like hey this kid's got a dog we're gonna blow it up <laughs> and then and then you move on and you're like and then hey. the kid just goes dog's dead yeah yeah and then and then <laughs> the cop you the first time you meet the cop he's like yeah i got this dog uh her name's trousers i think <laughs> And then yeah. the very next, that, that's correct. very next yeah. scene, trouser gets choked out by a you know jacket, and you're like, uh, okay. But thankfully, everything goes back to normal because there's a puppy at the end of the movie. Like, so and that's weird. the point that I want to make is that this whole allegory of the dog from the beginning of the movie all the way through is allegory even the right word for this? It's like the 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 thematic point throughout this whole movie where we're talking about 
innocence, right? And the children being this driving force of what the entire plot's involved with. Their protection, their future, whatever happens is the focus of the children for the most part. And this dog, without it, we don't get our final scene, right? We don't get uh, the motivation for what seems to be everything is this happiness of the children, which is representative in a dog. So the choice to have the deaths of the dog is very interesting to me because it was such a powerful, or at least not powerful, an intentional message in this movie. Um, and to have two different instances where you have meaningful dogs that are killed and still have a dog being a redeeming factor is just an interesting choice. So mm-hmm. I think the director had something out for the dogs and was trying to use it even for, well, I don't know what it was, but that's my opinion. Yeah, killing dogs is a choice, especially when it's in a movie. Especially. Right. Yeah. Eric? Especially when you're involving kids' dogs. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, what? Or police so, dogs that are clearly, like, more than dogs. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was a choice. Exactly. So the main theme I thought this movie was going to... Uh, try to get across was our main character trying to get individuality from a toxic family set situation. Like I thought the whole point was him trying to get away from his really toxic fucked up family and this crime family that he's in. That's where the half bakedness kind of comes in is, you know, as we get towards the ending, it's not really about that at all anymore. It's uh, it is about the innocence of the kids it's kind of sad, okay, because I love Brendan Gleeson, and I actually like his character in this. I like the thought of, like, a very Christian, anti-intellectual crime patriarch, this British, like, gangster living out in an RV park somewhere, uh, robbing random people, quoting Groucho Marx, but thinking it's Karl Marx, uh, <laughs> blessed are the cracks. That was a great line. Uh, and I actually I looked up the whole that. line. Yeah, was, he says, blessed are the cracked, Well, he was talking about gummage, um, or, you know, what? But uh, our main character calls Gummidge, or yeah, his little brother. Uh, he says, Bluster of the Crack, but, and the full quote is, Bluster of the Crack, for they shall let in the light. And actually, that's Groucho Marx, not Karl Marx, which is still pretty hilarious. And yeah, I just like felt like they were setting us up for like a pretty, a movie about getting individu- individuality separate from your family. And it wasn't really about that at all when I thought, yeah, our first hour was setting us up for that. Well said. You touched on three different topics I want to get us into, but Cole, it looked like you were going to raise a finger during what Eric was saying. Yeah, I was just going to kind of reiterate that the concept of this film really intrigued me, and I really liked the characters that were in this film, but everything, nothing kind of reach, reaches like a resolution or a climax or or really, it just, it kind of, they go down a path and that path dies and then a new one forms and then that one dies. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like this film really struggled with finding its identity from being like a, a heist movie to, you know, a baby driver type film where it's all about cool <laughs> car chases and driving and, you know, De Palma's bane of existence kind of thing. And then it goes into <laughs> this family drama that's pretty interesting, but we never explore that. And then talking about the kids and getting the kids out of a bad situation. But you never really explore that either at the end. So just kind of going yeah. off of what he was saying. A hundred percent. I want, I, I definitely would, I, want us to, yeah. Kevin, do you have something to say? No, no, no. I, I'm waiting for you to ask me a question. Cause I don't know what I want to say about all this yet. <laughs> so I'm going to sit on. So I kind of like, I have big questions, I guess that this movie um, kind of brought to me that I just thought would make good discussion topics. But as far as like this movie goes, cause I figure I should finish up the discussion on the film first. But I agree with everything we're saying, kind of like half-baked. 
I kind of wrote like it just doesn't work for me like as far as the narrative is and it never like grabs something and like takes it to the next level. It's just kind of like check out this going on, check out that going on. I don't know. Interesting thoughts and concepts, but nothing that actually takes me away. In this kind of case, when that happens in a movie, it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie's then bad or it's going to be thrown away. Sometimes it can then be kind of picked up by the tone and by kind of just like the mood of the movie. Do you guys feel like this movie maybe was able to kind of pick that up or did that also kind of fall flat for you guys? Like in terms of was that community authentic? Were there any themes of like family bonds that at least maybe that kind of changed throughout the film? But was the directing, was the music, did these things kind of make up for what we were kind of lacking in narratively? So we haven't really brought up the language barrier too much yet. And mm-hmm. I want to use this time to talk about it because it was, for me, a big disconnect for the story and getting involved because I made the choice not to wear to do subtitles. I generally don't. I don't like them. I don't know why. It's just the way I've always watched media and probably always will. And so I didn't. And it was hard to understand a lot of what we're saying a lot of times. We're dealing with some heavy, heavy dialect, heavy accents. Uh, they talk very fast. Uh, there's sometimes hard to follow type of situations. So for me, I found myself out of the scenarios and out of the scenes more than in them um, do mostly because of, of the, of the high heavy dialect between all the characters. Um, And maybe that was kind of just something that was on, on me for the subtitle choice, Uh, but it did take me out of the film like as a whole. So it made it harder for me to invest specifically in the characters or in the storylines themselves. Eric, same kind of question to you. Did the kind of mood of this movie make up for the lack of, the narration. Something I wanted to mention too with that heavy accent and the amount of like uh, slang that was thrown in there kind of was reminiscent of me to like A Clockwork Orange where there's a lot of slang that doesn't mean anything to you and then you use your context clues. Did you find any kind of um, similar threads in that regard too, Eric? Sorry, two questions, but you can do it. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought the slang was actual like slang that British people would use. I don't. I don't think it was made up, right? But uh, the directing and writing of this film and the tone of it. Again, it like it reminded me. It, so since you guys haven't seen it, it's hard to like uh, paint a picture. Right? Remind me of Animal Kingdom a bit, but like actually a more lighthearted version of it. So the first like again the first hour of this film, I got very like serious themes. I got like. Uh, a guy trying to get his kids away from a horrible situation. And then the last 45 minutes, it was like, oh, you know, stick to your, uh, stick by your family, be loyal to your family, take care of your children, everything will be all right in the end. So I feel like the first hour, it was a more serious tone, and the last 45 minutes was a more lighthearted tone. And uh, up to our ending, which felt way too lighthearted uh considering the situation he was about to put his child in so um, you think yeah. they wanted us to cheer for him to stay with cal or carl or whatever the hell his name is the, the dad and like colby like, colby and colby ah, and not the, run away you think that was the the, the, the first hour i think they wanted him to run away yeah uh, i think the director seemed like he was trying to be like this guy needs to get away from his family the writer uh was trying to say that sorry and then the last 45 minutes, I felt like it was more about sticking by your family. Uh, they will always be there for you in the tough times. Because um, Colby, I think, kept kind of coming back to mm-hmm. 
bail them out in a way, right? I mean, I, not even bail them out, it, but yeah. I know we don't typically wait till the end to talk about the final scene, but them even showing up at the tree at all, like that whole yeah, it was like thing is we're here right. for that you. Kind of is like <laughs> they're there for you no matter what yeah. happens type of deal. Yeah, which kind of is sad if you think about it yeah. because that just means like don't try to escape your generational entrapment Trauma. just yeah. you know might as well just give into it because that's all it's ever going to be like, right. like now i'm thinking about am, this completely different i am your dad after all <laughs> yeah and that phone yeah. call and he kept saying that and yeah. they show the zoom in of like the colby plus chad in the tree like reminiscing yeah. of always climb somewhere <laughs> safe with your dad yeah oh, come and, on. like Man. the way that the way that brendan gleason played the character i think in the first hour or so he seemed like he had a very sinister uh undertone to him like yeah, he, he was very capable of even killing Colby if it came down to it or something. Yeah, like the scene with the yeah. landlord, his, his prospective landlord, and he's like, "You have yeah. to cl- clear this with your dad. I'm not crossing your dad." Mm-hmm. I had the same thing, yeah. like, dude. This guy's a big deal. Like, what the yeah. hell? But he never was anything more than a tracksuit wearing Jesus loving flat earther. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah. You seem more like you know a little bit of a. I, I think that they were trying to say that these guys were like stealing from the rich and giving to the poor i mean they were taking their own money there they take a lot of people into their rv park right and yeah uh, who are all those people? yeah i got more of a murderous tone from colby's character for the first tower than the last 45 minutes he's like oh i'm actually like a you know jesus loving christian and i'm i'm stealing from the rich and uh (laughs) you know like i'm taking all these people in and i'm helping them and uh it, it didn't exactly clear him from his fault in anything, but at the same time, it made him seem like a much more innocent character. Well, with that, too, I think that has to do with the name of the movie itself, with these people and who they take in and what an overall theme might be. I think, are we all kind of familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Shall we pray? Hmm. Yeah, I had to recite it for many years. <laughs> that Twice phrase a week. that the movie takes it from forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In that kind of frame and in this movie and the character of Brennan Gleason, are they are the ones who are supposedly trespassing against us, correct? Am I right in thinking that's what I'm supposed to interpret? I think the I think final line correct. of that prayer is yeah. important too, though. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Which yeah. I think Colby believes that the temptation is to leave the family, to be away from them, and the evil to be delivered from is you know is that side well, of it. Okay, so too. the actual line here. Sorry, I was looking. I wrote it down. He said, "You got to stand up against these cunts so they don't trespass against us." <laughs> right. So actually, is it us the actual yeah. trespassing against them? I think it's the cops. Is it and, the government? Uh, the, is it society? The is cops, it, yeah, society. Yeah, exactly. The teachers, yeah, like the, rich the school, people, big brother. Yeah, you know, all of it. Is it yeah. the stabilized yeah. society, the one that isn't nomadic, yeah. the one that pays taxes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, so they robbed the Lord Lieutenant of Gloucestershire, which I looked up. Gloucestershire is the county in uh, England, and Gloucester is just the city. So Wait, do they ever... It's just Gloucester is the city. Gloucestershire is the whole county. Did they ever but, mention who they yeah. robbed, or did you read that? Yeah, the, the Lord Lieutenant of Gloucestershire, they mentioned okay. it. Yeah, And he, he had a bu- bunch of... Because uh, Rory Kinnear, the, the cop, uh, he was saying, like, you know who you robbed? You know, the Lord Lieutenant. And I guess he had a bunch uh, of, like, private art and antiques, okay. which is, again, 
we just see the house get lit on fire, uh, and we don't see them like running away with all this uh, loot. So no. what, what happened to all that? We don't uh, see any no, they loot. They loaded up several duffel bags yeah. into the they, car did they before put, they drove yeah. away. Okay. And then when the friends had a bag in their hand. All right, maybe I missed yeah. that then. Okay. I was thankful that the police officer also explained to me what the um, significance of that role is. And yeah, the fact me too. That, that was good. Yeah, they appoint all the judges and everything like that. So it means we'll never stop chasing you for real now. You're fucked, brother. <laughs> yeah. So we are kind of talking on religion. I think that that's a theme in this movie. There's this very interesting take on a religious family who curses in front of their children, who does a lot of things. But I mean, that for one is something that you typically don't see with um, a very religious family. So my kind of question for you guys was, was this a case of genuine religious belief from the grandpa who's kind of giving it to everybody? Or is he using that religion um, and these roles as a control mechanism? So both is my answer. Mm. Um, I think a lot of religious fanatics, a lot of people that are possibly in that shoes uses what they were taught and up brought, which is, um, you know, Old Testament, uh, Abel and Cain. This is, you know, the heir to my land, a very uh, biblical style of an upbringing. Uh, I think that as you get away from from that style and it's more about what you're doing, you use it more as an excuse, uh, more as a, a scapegoat. So I think in Colby's character, he can validate everything he's ever done because he believes that he's right in doing so. And what gives him that right? Well, the Bible, right? The, his belief that he can hold up a picture of Jesus and say this is is the, the guiding light to everything. So it's very much an excuse so he feels better about himself. He's a God-fearing man. How dare the outside world tell him what to do? Uh, and I just thought that in, it was an interesting take because there was clearly comedic elements to it as well. That scene in the church with the blue man and the paint and the Jesus picture, like there was very intended for the audience to laugh. Like you don't do that without the intention of us like, <laughs> look at that dude. He's holding the picture of Jesus and he's all covered and looking weird. So if you're going to do that, why make it? more solemn and supposed to be i just was a little confused i guess to answer your question which way they were going with it it seemed all over the place yeah i feel like yeah i that's what cole said i feel like this could it with just like every other theme that i think is raised in this movie with just a little more of a twist by the writer by the director just twist it in for us give us one more hint of what you're trying to tell us don't just raise the question because from my perspective i saw the grandpa as very much like this is a method of control especially down to the point where he doesn't even teach his own son how to read and write it made me think of like an old monarchy where you don't teach any of your servants how to do basic things so that they always have to rely on you Mm -hmm. but with this question eric or cole do you guys want to weigh in on any of these themes kind of raised cole you haven't talked in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it was 100% just a control method. I mean, he talks about how that you don't need to go to school, and, you know, he quotes, misquotes everything from the Bible and uses it all as kind of pandering and getting people to agree with, you know, his way or, or in his control of his, uh, almost like a cult in a way, but it's a, you know, a crime family, and he obviously preys on the less fortunate i mean some of the like mm -hmm. that I, I don't i can't remember the guy's name though the one he painted blue obviously had a lot of issues and he gordon yeah I think. gordon he uh, brought him into the family clearly not oh, i thought gordon was the broken leg guy 
That was Neil. Norm or Neil. Neil or Norman. 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 Norman was broken yeah. leg. That Gordon, you're right, was the simpleton. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, he brings in these guys that, uh, you know, clearly have issues just to use them as goons for his gang. And um, his poor son, you know, obviously can't read, can't write, can't do any of that stuff. And it pops up a couple times throughout the movie. And he's trying to give his kids a, a better life. And his grandpa's trying to, you know, keep it from happening and keep control over all of them so certainly yeah. eric you got anything to say agreed uh yeah he uses it as a means to an end uh an excuse to kind of get people to do what he wants them to do and make it seem like there is actual actually some moral justification behind the crimes he does and the way he lives and also i totally agree like he made sure that his son couldn't read or write uh, so that he would have to stick with him in in the crime family and use him to do uh, crimes for him so that he could get more money. And yeah, like this character should have been a much more sinister character in the end that I felt like we should have gotten freedom from. Uh, but it never goes there. Yeah, I want to touch on that. I agree. There was points where I was writing in my notes like one will die. Who will win <laughs> out? the bad like i thought this yeah. honestly was gonna go down that route of like you mm -hmm. said sinister i'm gonna fucking kill you if you try to leave or something way more violent instead of what we got so yeah all these things we've already touched on but i just wanted to touch you're right 100 percent. it was way more uh foreshadowing something even uh, even up to the last 15 minutes of the film i still mm -hmm. thought it was going to end in something way different than it ended mm -hmm. up doing yeah. Well, let's talk acting chops between these two characters, too, between Brennan Gleeson and Michael Fassbender, two huge names, powerhouses. Um, how much chemistry did those two have on screen? And also, how did they have access to a public pool? Cole? <laughs> I mean, I uh, always I really liked Gleeson and then Fassbender. He's always been uh, I've always enjoyed him, even in terrible movies like Slow West. So. Um, and then, hey, and hey then, you leave that movie alone, all right? No, he's contact. right. He can keep talking. Yeah, it, it, getting getting those two together. Go back and watch episode Eric insert here. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, getting those two together, I thought was awesome, and I thought gave this uh, film a, a good fighting chance with their chemistry, acting chops, and all that stuff. I mean, we've seen uh, Gleason with um, God, the guy from Lobster. Can't remember what his name is now. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, yeah. You see those two, and, I, you know, Fassbender's, I feel like he kind of slotted right in there, and they kept the ball rolling, uh, which made it disappointing that it never really led to anything of, of substance or value with their portrayal of these characters. It just felt, I don't know, it just felt unfinished and half-baked, I guess, is what I keep coming back to. But they did a phenomenal job. I just wish they had a better story to tell. Mm -hmm. Eric, I want to hear from you on their kind of acting chops. And also, will you please weave in Lindsay Marshall, who plays Kelly Cutler, the wife in this movie as well? I Yeah, I thought actually Michael Fassbender and Brendan Gleeson were pretty good actors in here. Like I was sold on their characters. Uh, like I was saying with Brendan Gleeson's character, the sinister undercurrent of him, Michael Fassbender playing kind of a complex guy, like saying, Part of me, like, is indebted to my family. The other part of me knows that I need to leave my family, uh, so or leave my extended family so that my immediate family 
can be safe, and so I don't end up in jail. And then actually, so I also looked at Gord, uh, Gordon, the guy that plays Gordon, his name's Sean Harris. Mm-hmm. He played King Arthur in The Green yeah. Knight, so another A24 alumni yeah. there. Uh, Rory Kinnear plays a really fun, uh, dumb cop, and I, I really actually enjoyed his character as from a comedic aspect. And then Lindsay Marshall as Kelly Cutler. I, I liked her. You know, like, um, I don't think we we got much more from the writing from this film uh, to give her a more complex and interesting part. Like, she kind of just plays the naggy wife in this, and uh, she's just kind of, like, saying, I constantly, I, I want to get out of here, but, like, and, and then we figure out that she's been um, stowing away money, too, and actually, you know, kind of lying by omission to her own husband, too, and I, I never got that, like, side from her until we saw it, you know? Until we actually saw her, like, putting money away at that one point. And so I, I just think the writing didn't allow her to be more of a complex actor in this film. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Kevin? Um, I agree. Yeah, exactly. I think that her character, for me at least, had moments where I truly did feel sympathetic for her. Where I was, what would I do in your scenario? Or uh, the mom side of you wanting to win out versus you know, how you fell in with Chad Cutler or how the relationship got to where it is. And even in that final scene, right, I actually enjoyed that where, you know, he screams down, you know, I fucking love you, Kelly, like whatever that is. Uh, sorry, the, the, the cat distraction. <laughs> um, either way, I thought that she there was moments where I did feel something in the scenes that she was involved in. So I guess I'll give her her that. So uh, maybe a counter to the naggy wife for me, but uh, for the most part, again, echoed there wasn't enough for her to really be flushed out in any real capacity. There was a scene with her and Fassbender that I thought was something I wanted to mention. Um, And it was a directorial choice that I quite liked was when the kids just, go missing all day just casually just (laughs) disappear um and then they can't find them the first thing that they're gonna go do is ask the the grandpa where they've been finds out that they aren't with grandpa so he comes back to the car and for the first time a conversation between them is just inaudible to us the viewers and we're just looking into the car and seeing their faces and that devastation actually kind of like hits in and then you with the removal of words um, it's just a raw emotional play at that point. And I thought that that was a really powerful choice um, from the director to kind of show that scene that way. Because it's that's an unspeakable fear as someone who has no children. I couldn't even imagine um, how that would feel. Do you guys have like a spot in the movie that kind of stood out to you as something that was like, oh, I'll, like, I'll remember this. this. This is a little tidbit I'm going to take away. I remember the really bad wire work for when they jumped off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only real parts for me that were like stuck out, I and I write down a lot of things when I when I go through these things. And when we started talking about super goats mm. uh, and hell hath no fury as a super goat, I kind of lost the. Uh, I won't say respect for the film because I, I won't, but it made it clear that the writer didn't really know where they were going with this, that it was comedy mixed with action and all the other things we've already tried to talk about. 
I audibly laughed out loud. And whether this film is supposed to have moments where you audibly laugh out loud, I don't know if that one is supposed to be one of them. I also don't know. But Super Goats, Hell Hath No Fury, weird scene. Didn't really get it. That was so weird. Move on. Yeah. Eric, I have one more. Okay. It was him hiding underneath the cows to hide from the heat scanner. <laughs> the thermal oh, yeah. That was actually great. I, I actually enjoyed that. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, why aren't the cows all running from the helicopter overhead? I guess some of them do, but yeah. not the one he's yeah. under. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one scene that I did, uh, I did like the interaction was when he went to go buy the dog. And he's talking to the to the guy, and there's that like you know awkward interaction where the guy wants him to write a bunch of stuff down, and he asks him to write, and then the guy figures out who he is and quickly turns face, and they're having an argument of you know why can't I buy the dog? I've I've got the money. I'm doing everything like a normal person. Why won't you sell me the the dog? And talk, you know, I thought that was a, a good interaction, uh, but the the I guess what it led to I thought was kind of silly where he walks out the front door that immediately just circles back around <laughs> kicks in the door steals the dog but then throws the money anyhow and then goes yeah. out the front door so it's like you kicked in the back door to go back out the front door and then you know starts doing his fun driving and uh that helicopter got there very fast for yeah. a dog cap yeah. Like kidnapping of a dog, uh, yep. the police were like, "We gotta get, Stand by. we gotta get the fucking helicopters out." That fucker, we're gonna get him. <laughs> yeah. So, for me, it's uh, every time Brendan Gleeson or Colby gets a monologue. Uh, Colby talking to the grandson, mm. uh, just like you don't know, need those people at school. You know, like you don't need those teachers telling yeah. you. What to think? Talking about and, evolution and, and yeah. fishes and coming from an ape's ass. I didn't ass. come out of, a, yeah. of ape's yeah. ass. Yeah. Every time he got a monologue, I I actually enjoyed that. Like again, he's a good actor. Oh, he's a phenomenal yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. I touched on it or not, but his performance yeah. was fucking spot on, no yeah. doubt. It was just the writing choices in the end. But then yeah. later named the puppy. What it was. Name yeah. the puppy fishes yeah, too. Fishes. fishes. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Well, the son, yeah. the grandson named him that, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so cute. Tyson. Tyson. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you guys, um, how right is the grandpa? How right is schooling? What's the best way to actually keep a child from being brainwashed? Well, they got to go to school. Yeah. We found out that attendance is clearly important regardless <laughs> of what you're taking home or not. You got to go What's your personal school, thought? Of, so. Yeah, your personal <laughs> thought about it. That's personal school? Attendance, <laughs> go, go to school. That's it. There you go, kids. That's what this whole movie was about. Yeah. Big PSA. Go to school. Mm-hmm. Stay in school. Don't do crack. I don't need no schooling. There we go. <laughs> A free thinker yeah. among the crowd. Pink, Pink Floyd would be proud. We don't need no education. Earth is flat. Yep. Yeah. I th- I think school is very important and educating the the young minds is very important. But at the same token, you know you have to do it in a way that isn't uh, skewing their views and opinions of certain things and promoting the free thinking thinkers like Eric. So you got to keep people like True. him, uh, you know, flourishing. But also keep an eye on them because you never are quite sure what people like the Kiskas will do. So 
yeah, if I had the They're, chance, yeah. I would brainwash every child that I could to grow up as a vegan. So, well, yeah. Next thing you know, it'd be better for global them, cabal. Next thing you know, we're all a bunch of, of communists, and Eric's happy, and you no, know, no one's delivering mail anymore, and we're all just. Uh, I mean, no one owns. Anything. I'm moving to the commune, <laughs> so it's fine. There's a global cabal of globalists that traffic young children and eat them for adren- adrenochrome. That's what I think. All right. Your, oh, yeah. your uh, audio got a, uh, adjusted there for a second because they're trying to cancel you because they're yeah. talking. Oh, fuck. Now we'll never get a sponsor. No. <laughs> fuck the elite. Ah. All right. I have probably a final question um, before we get into our reviews, unless you all have something to weigh in before then. But part one, my final question. Are any of you a big fan of the Chemical Brothers or familiar enough with them that you could talk about it? I'm familiar with them because uh, they also did a theme from Hannah, or the theme for the movie Hannah, which uh, I really enjoy that film, actually. It's about, like, a little child super soldier, uh, and she just goes around kicking people's asses, and it, and the Chemical Brothers do the theme in that film, and there's one main theme in it that is, like, really recognizable and really good, and uh, so that's my previous knowledge of the Chemical Brothers, but then I looked them up, and it seems like they were... Uh, Pretty big in Britain. They were friends with Fatboy Slim, I think, um, and even friends with Oasis too. Of course, so, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. What did you think Tabled of Oasis. them scoring, or at least Tom Rollins of the band scoring this film? Uh, and what did you think of kind of the soundtrack? Uh, it did not stick uh, out. To I me, was gonna say sadly. I don't remember a, a single yeah. song or music undertone in this film. No. Towards the end, there was like the helicopter uh, ambience that came behind it. As like the scene was hitting towards a climax, they had the thump 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 thump, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Why the hell is that still playing?" So I noticed yeah. it, but that was like only in a bad way, not any sort of like noticeable. Uh, and and then even the soundtrack change at the end, uh, kind of as represent as representative of how that last scene is just so awkward for mm-hmm. me and we'll get to that i guess now i suppose it's a good time as any go ahead um but that final scene right we get this climbing of a tree and this return to childhood and this light as a feather type of thing where the whole film leading up to that point at least cole was happy and it was only 90 minutes long <laughs> but it it really I just was so jarring it was like wait what how why why did we decide to go this route and then all of a sudden it was over, and I was at least thankful for that part. I did not like the final scene at all. I thought that it was a poor choice. It felt like it was a lazy decision. They ran out of ideas. They didn't know how else to finish the film. So instead of doing some blaze of glory chase or something where it really mattered, where he had to stand up against his dad or something, they just left it completely open-ended. They didn't give us any real resolution. It was way too heavy-handed and goody-two-shoed like, family is the most important thing when you had all these other themes going forward into this point. Um, I just didn't enjoy it at all. And it really took me out of the entire film and left me going, Ugh. and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not coming out of that tree. Yeah. Not coming down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stay up here all day. <laughs> so, yeah, I my thing is like uh, – the ending is, like, he gives up on running from the cops, right? And he gets arrested for something, like, that he's basically taking the rap for the thing that his dad had him do earlier in the film. Because uh, I think the cop literally tells, like, the child, like, it's all over. Like, uh, you know, we're not going to come after you anymore, basically. And then 
I think like uh, what the writer was trying to say was that he was trying to set an example for his son to like take responsibility for the crimes you commit, I guess. But then you got to ask, like, what will his son be doing while he's in prison? He's going to not be going to school. He's going to be listening to his grandpa who will probably raise him to be a criminal just like his dad. And a flat earther, too. Yeah, Yeah, you got to wonder, like, what's going to actually end up to this child while his dad is in prison? And I don't know how long he... He said he was going away for a long time. In Britain, that's what, like, two and a half years, (laughs) you know? So Our (laughs) mom's going to use the money she's had stashed away because apparently they 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 left it. The cops found that. No, because when he comes back uh, after getting dropped off from his taxi, he takes money from her stash to go pay him. Oh, okay, wait, so they never, the cop said that they found that, I know. and then they never actually took That's, that. Yeah. Okay, That's another thing, in our country, they just would fucking take that and be like, it's evidence, well, and then they would never give it back. I was so shocked yeah. by the fact that he could go grab it. A lot of shit's it. fucked up in our yeah, country. I was yeah. gonna say, all those people, all those guys would have been shot <laughs> yep. at some point throughout this film yeah. when they were running for the yeah. cops, they would I was waiting it's for the so yeah. little actual <laughs> violence. I was gonna comment on that earlier, mm-hmm. I thought this was gonna be a way more violent movie than it turned out to be, and all yeah. we really got was the cop punching Chad once. Yeah. And, and two and dead an dogs off you know. screen. The, the lack That's of fear of the police right, exactly. is screen. a purely British thing that Americans cannot understand. Yeah, that was my first bullet point that I wrote down, is this can't happen here. I, yeah. I was cool. uh, super disappointed in the ending of this film for multiple reasons, but my biggest is they talked about the flat earth thing a bunch, and they're like, oh, well, I knew someone that climbed to the top of this mountain, and he said, guess what? It's still flat. And I was really hoping for that guy and his son to be at the top of this tree and look out into the field and be like, it's slightly curved. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping for some like bullshit scene like that, and they're like, nah, we, that's that's too much forethought yeah, I for don't us. Know. Yeah, just, well, it was like you got to make up your own mind on on those ah, things. Or come on, right? yeah. they're up in a tree. Give me something. Mm-hmm. Instead, they do a weird wire jump down with a puppy, and then like it was almost like and then freeze frame. Yeah, it was like an eighties <laughs> kids like TV so show bad. at the yeah that I'm watching yeah. on you know MTV or something. Yeah, absolutely rolled my eyes as credits were yeah. rolling. Yeah. So, but this was a super serious and movie. Yeah, but- about crime and family. Super serial, Super. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to, go to I, school, When kids, I uh, to heard that slight, like, the slight tonal, like, keys playing at the end, I thought of uh, forgetting Sir Marshall, and, like, Peter is constantly angry because he just plays tones over the, law, like, basically Law & Order SVU. He's just like, that's all I fucking do all day is I play tones over everything. They just want tonal shifts, that's it. And that's what, a, that's what I was thinking. What a fucking classic <laughs> movie, Forgetting Sir yeah. Marshall. A24 is a great me, movie, man. A24. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> Too good. Are you guys about ready for me to shift us into review mode? Yeah. Uh, last couple things cinematography wise, mm-hmm. there were a couple cool shots that I did enjoy. Uh, the cart that we talked about the fields, right? And the, the shots of the field. Um, there was a couple stills that were pretty cool. Some of the use of fire I thought was interesting. Um, it wasn't anything that took me out of the film. It wasn't anything really to highlight as we're kind of just shoehorning it here at the end. It wasn't like same as the soundtrack, right? Just kind of not overly um, epic or eye-opening, but it existed, I suppose, is my comment on that. Delio, I have one uh, English fun fact for you all. So you know how Sean Harris plays a character named Gordon Bennett? Did you know that Gordon Bennett is an English phrase used to express surprise, contempt, disgust, frustration, or otherwise? 
I did not know. I do you think they that. actually thought of that? Definitely. I think that this is another okay. case of like English UK humor that like okay. just whooshes over our heads. Yeah. Which yep, a, just- a lot of it does for me. Like I even struggle sometimes and you guys and the audience is going to think this is blasphemy, but I struggle to find the humor in Monty Python. <gasps> so, yeah. so a lot of this stuff that they, is just like they made oof. this movie specifically for that audience. Like were they I don't going? Like, no, that want... it was in, an intentional thing. Yeah. I think that yeah. this is my like American privilege being from the same country as Hollywood and Fair. pushing our culture all over the world for decades and decades. When well, Britain did the same thing. Yeah, I, mean. I know, but I'm just saying. And but like <laughs> from a cinematic standpoint, from from my yeah. perspective of I'm saying, and it's like this is a light privilege in comparison to many others. This is the privilege of. A lot of the time, I understand the humor in movies. There's a lot of cultures yeah. that don't understand like the humor in maybe some of my favorite movies. Um, but when it comes from movies that come out of the UK, a lot of the time, I'm just like, what? Huh? I don't understand. See, see I think you like you can have like British slash UK humor, but you have to still like know that this might go to a global audience and have points in there that make everybody laugh like i was we were just talking about banshees of inishir and, and literally every time colin farrell says feck uh, <laughs> i just laugh my ass off he just says feck all the time and i there's like definitely parts uh where you know that was written knowing that like this probably was gonna go out to a global audience and like we need to have some uh cultural handshakes here at least sure Sure, yeah. just <laughs> something to shrug about, I suppose. Well, yeah, maybe they just didn't do a good enough job. Of it, is what I'm saying, but yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna move into our reviews. If this is the first time you've ever listened, the way we review is from A to F, including E as in elephant, uh, with a twenty-four on the end in honor of a twenty-four. So, <laughs> any uh, volunteers to go first on our review for this episode? What I like about these reviews is that we typically always talk about what we're going to say in the review earlier in the in the episode in one way or another, which is nice because most of the time this is kind of a freelance off the top of my head. I don't particularly write out my reviews ahead of time. I like to just kind of formulate them as we're going through this um, adventure together. And this time is no different. Uh, I finished this film and said, well, that was okay. And that's how I truly felt about this pretty much throughout the whole thing. Um, from our opening scenes through some of the development of our characters to our climax and final conclusion, there wasn't anything that really grabbed me as, this is fantastic, this is really worth my time. I knew the running time was 90 minutes before I started, so that also put me in a place where I was kind of like, all right, well, I can get through it. Um, The accent was very difficult to understand, I wish I would have put on the subtitles, maybe put on headphones instead of the surround sound, whatever it would have been to kind of help me out. I probably would have taken more away from this film in general. Um, The performances were actually well done. I really enjoyed Michael Fassbender's performance, um, as well as Mr. Gleason, right? That's his last name. Sorry, I'm a Mm -hmm. a little unfamiliar, but that sounds right. Uh, And um, I do like that both of those guys attached themselves to a brand new director who was doing his debut. I thought that was a cool thing as well, regardless of how I felt about the rest of the movie. That decision by them um, to kind of put their names on the line for somebody who hadn't had a proven body of work speaks volumes about them as actors and kind of um, just them in general. 
Uh, I thought the performance by the kids was pretty well done. Um, Tyson had some cool scenes. Uh, he definitely had some some heavy weight on his shoulders as being kind of a driving force of a lot of the themes throughout this movie. Um, so having the Bebis, as they called him, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was they did a, a pretty good job of of making that a really important part. Uh, overall, I feel like I would not recommend this movie necessarily to anyone unless they were doing the A24 completion project. You don't really need to go out of your way to see it. Uh, there's, you know, unless you're a Michael Fassbender stan, which I know there's a lot of people out there that are, you could probably see it for that version. Uh, but for all those things, I think I'm just going to give it a C24 right down the middle. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Just was a film, watched it, and now we'll move on. Fair, fair. <clears throat> Eric, I'll let you go second. For sure. Um, yeah, like I was saying before, this film was actually really intriguing from the start and had some unique characters and a unique concept. Uh, like, British gangster family slash just a gangster family in general itself isn't a very unique concept, but a British gangster family that lives in the middle of a field and their own made-up RV park is unique to me, and I did like that. Uh, it brought me into a world I haven't been to before, and I, I liked uh, the heist, actually, um, and I liked running away from the cops, like the whole heist getaway scene. That was actually really action-packed and fun. But then again, this was just quite an uneven film for, for me. It just didn't take it home for me in the last 20 minutes. And this reminds me a lot of uh, Son of a Gun, the first yeah. film we reviewed last year. And uh, I gave that film a C-, and so that's where I think I'm going to end up with this film. C-, uh, like if I was talking to people that hadn't seen it, I would recommend it, especially if you like Brendan Gleeson and Michael Fassbender, but I would tell them not to expect too many fireworks in their little noggins. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Cole, I'll let you decide. You or me. Who's going first? I'll go. I'll go. Um, yeah, so with this film, uh, I was not the biggest fan of it. I felt like the the thing that annoyed me a lot with this film is they had good actors that did well with their characters in a very interesting set piece and I was excited to see what they were going to do with it. And they didn't tell an interesting story at all. They tried to do too much. They went multiple different directions, too many tonal shifts. They didn't seem to understand exactly what they wanted to accomplish with this film. Um, from the, like, you know, the over-the-top car chases to weird comedy thrown in the mix to going to a serious family dynamic into, you know, a movie all about a puppy essentially. So, um, I was, I guess overall just kind of disappointed in this film. I was really hoping for something a little bit more unique or interesting to come out of it. I, I don't think I could recommend it to anyone. I just don't see what kind of value it would give. There's nothing unique or interesting about this. It's honestly comes across boring. Yeah. I think that's kind of about it. I, I'm going to give it a D D 24. Fair enough. Okay, just some final thoughts from myself. I think we touched on a lot of the good things. And something I regret that we didn't talk more about was the actual chase scenes and some of the car driving stunts. I think that was probably the strong points of this movie. But as far as all of my detractors, let me go through that list real quick. And <laughs> before I give you the review, um, I think that this movie was in general just forgettable. I'm not really going to think about anything except maybe for hiding under the cows. It's a shame of 
the potential that this movie could have with a kind of interesting premise and a lot of talent. It's just a shame that it is what it is. I don't think that the music really fit with the film itself as well. It was maybe an interesting soundtrack separated from it, but what it was kind of giving me was more of just like um like a day club, day glow kind of atmosphere rather than we're on like we're like frontiersmen in our country. Um so I think there just could have been a better like dustier, dirtier, grimier kind of musical score that went with this. Uh, the biggest detractor for this film for me is it never seems to elevate itself. Any of these themes really explore them, and it definitely doesn't wrap up any of the questions raised. If a movie doesn't necessarily work for me narratively, sometimes it can make up in some of those points by just being like an interesting, for lack of a better term, vibe for having a good like mood throughout it, or just like being really interesting otherwise but this movie i feel like really fell flat even on those kind of choices so for all of these reasons i think that i'm going to go with a d minus 24 wow i really shouldn't have gone first apparently <laughs> don't ever doubt yourself don't judge yourself well yeah i don't know I, but i end up feeling more critical and then i give it a c is like a c a good thing <laughs> a c not a good thing should we alter it to a C minus? Uh... I don't know. And I'm t- I w- I'm somewhere between a D and a D minus. But then I thought, like, Michael Fassbender's in here and he couldn't even save it, which means he did his best. And still, I really disliked my time watching it. Also, did anyone else think Moosh was an actual character or Mush? At first, or I thought it was somebody who lived there. Yes. Yeah. Like, and then everybody was a mush all of a sudden. Yeah, like, Wait, uh, I, th- I thought they were the Cutlers. I'm really confused. Uh, yeah, there's just so many of those little things that I just couldn't understand, even towards the end of the movie. I was like, who are these? Like, you heard me earlier, like Colby or Cal or who the fuck? Anyway, I digress. Watch it if you like British comedy or British action or whatever the fuck. You well, want. Crime not, thrillers, indie not, crime thrillers. It's not any of those. Family dramas. Though. It's just like, uh, <laughs> you're right. So... <laughs> Listen to our review and then watch it. I don't know. Moving on. Watch this movie if you love um, <laughs> dead dogs on screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's 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 not. Uh, the lesson is Jesus took it on the chin. I think at one point. That he, he well, thank you, everybody, well. so much for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate um, the fact that you tune in and give us a listen every now and then as we just kind of do what we do of going through every single A24 movie, I have to say. We've really gotten through a lot now, but there's still plenty to go. So we jo- we invite you to join us on the rest of this journey. We're on all kinds of socials and listen to our podcast wherever you can. If you really like it, leave us a review and we will appreciate you all the more. Thanks so much. Just your favorite bourbon since, you know, we're all drinking it except for Cole. One day I'll have it again. I love you. Four.